0: If you have a Bible, you can open to Galatians chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 26 through 29. Or you can read along on the screen, your app, whatever works best for you. Today is a very exciting day because afterwards we're going to go to the river and we'll have more instructions for you on how to get there. I would say the key to it is the John Deere mailbox. So once you get on the main road you're going, there's a John Deere mailbox. And you just turn right there. Uh, That will be repeated at the end. But today, because we're having baptisms, that's what we're going to be looking at in our message. And we do this a few times every year. And so we're not going to say everything in the world there is to be said about baptism today. We're going to look at this through another angle, the angle of what it means to belong. And how baptism teaches us the gospel of our belonging. And so Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. You'll read with me. And since you just got comfortable, if we'll all stand up together, forgot to do this last week, just to honor the Word of God, right? We read a lot of things, a lot of false information, information overload. This is just a way we're practicing. Hey, this really is the Word of God. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, There is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. You can be seated. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for bringing us here together today. We thank you. You've invited us to not just participate in worship, but to partake in the good news of the gospel of your kingdom. And we ask that you help us now, Holy Spirit, to have ears to hear. We pray that you, Holy Spirit, would take the truth of your word and you would get down into our motives, our intentions, our interpretations of ourselves, of the world, of others, of you, and you would give us that truth that sets us free. And we ask it today in the name of the one who is the truth that sets us free, Jesus. Amen. Well, murder murder mystery shows seem to be like super popular right now, whether it's TV, movies, or whatever. And one of the parts about these murder mysteries is there's, there's a group of people that seemingly have been brought together to enjoy something or to belong, but one of them is a killer. One of them is usually somebody who looks like they fit in, but it's a surprise that they don't. And I've wondered as I thought about this passage today that if maybe one of the reasons that appeals to all of us at some level, and maybe not all of us, but evidently a lot of people, is because maybe we feel like at times we're the one who doesn't really belong. We're the one who has the secret. We're the one that has the sin. We're the one that maybe has a part of our story of of suffering or something that we did or that was done to us that if we're, were that to be revealed, we would no longer really be accepted. I don't know about you, but the thoughts definitely went through my mind before. If people really knew me, they wouldn't really want me around if people really knew those thoughts that I've thought, those things that I've done, those doubts that I've had, those sins that I've committed, then maybe I would be the one voted off the island. Maybe I would be the one found to be the imposter in the crowd. And when you believe that, what happens is you start to live into a certain type of lie that makes sure you're never found out but the sick and twisted cycle is because you have to live that lie, you never feel like anyone ever really accepts you because they don't know you. And so your experience in any type of community, in any type of club, in any type of organization, and even and especially in any type of church is a very lonely experience where you have to continue to make sure you say the right things, do the right things, be the right kind of person, so that you can continue to belong. It's a very lonely and exhausting place to be. Well, in the early church, there was this big issue of who really belongs. So in the book of Galatians, Paul is writing to this church, as he does in a lot of his letters, that is a church of people from mixed backgrounds, mixed ethnicities, mixed stories, mixed sins, mixed sufferings. And there are some who think they really are the children of God. Those particularly of a a physical, ethnic, national descent from Israel. And then there's this other group of people, the Gentiles, who are kind of questioning, do we really belong here? So when we think of the doctrine of justification, that is that big $5 theological word of what it means to be declared right with God, for God to say justice has been settled, we're good... Sometimes what we miss in the Gospels is Paul is talking about that relationship with us right with God, but he's saying that also means you're right with each other. Not only does the doctrine of justification tell us you don't need to do anything else to be God's child, but it also says we don't need to do anything else to belong among God's people. This is very important, and this is why Paul will make this connection to baptism in our text. Is He will say that in those waters of baptism, we show we were all equally needy of God's gospel. And we come out of those waters saying we all equally belong in this family. That this is not a family where you have to fake it in order to be considered faithful. Paul says that baptism into Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, says we belong at the table of the King. And so we've got to really embrace the reality of our belonging. And we do this through the revelation of baptism. A few ways in our scripture this morning. The first way we really know we belong is because baptism tells us. It pictures, it gives the covenant sign that we are a part of this family through faith alone. Notice again verse 26. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God. How? Through faith. We don't have time to go through the whole argument of the book of Galatians. But the argument is, is it's not faith plus circumcision. This old rite that said you were physically marked off. It's not faith through eating certain type of foods. It's not faith through keeping certain types of holy days. You are all sons of God through faith alone. This is where I was going to bring the board into this, and I'll see if I can walk over here without too much feedback. I, I was watching a, a TV show this week. I won't name which one because I know there's always an implicit endorsement. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but it was a show where this, this kid that was kind of, I guess you'd consider nerdy, I don't mean that in a negative way, uh, became, had a girlfriend who was super popular. And so what he was trying to do is he was trying to figure out how to, oh, I see that now. He was trying to figure out how to bring these groups together, right? So are there any common interests? And it was like an epic failure, right? So there's, there's you know, there's the, the total, like, Dungeons and Dragons world and the total like NBA, NFL world and all these different things. And finally, the only thing that he could get to work in his uh, chart here, right, trying to find the middle ground was Arnold Schwarzenegger and pizza. So you're like, what in the world does this have to do with anything? Well, all of us in here got a lot of stuff not in common. We may not even realize it. Everybody in here has walked into this room, and you've got a past, right, that's full of sin, maybe a present that's full of it. And, and you wouldn't want to list those things out loud, but you know them, and maybe some other people do. You've got a story of suffering. Again, there's been things that you, you've had done to you that are really hard. There's things that you've went through. There's divorces, there's deaths, there's depression, mental health issues. You just go down the list, you know what you are. Capital T traumas, lowercase t traumas, and all over the spectrum. And there's a story that you're living in. A story that's a lot of times a a false story that the enemy tells you, a narrative And whether you realize it or not, every room that you walk into, every missional community, family meal, every fight club, every Sunday gathering, is you're bringing this stuff with you in the background. And it's causing you to wonder, do do I really belong here? Am I really as much a child of God as anybody else? And this is what's in the middle. Jesus and nothing else. This is what Paul is saying. These Gentiles are walking in here, these people from all these different backgrounds, nationalities, stories, and they're wondering Am I really welcomed? Do I really have a place? And what Paul says here through the Spirit is for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. You see today when we go to, those, to that river and into those waters, there's nobody who walks into those waters with anything more than anybody else. You don't go into those waters with whelps. You don't go into those waters with a degree. You don't go into those waters with a resume. You don't go in those waters with certain type of record. We all go into the waters only with our need. We all have to strip ourselves of anything that we might bring to say this is this is what unifies me with the people of God. It's Christ alone. This is why what baptism should teach us is it points us to the gospel is we need to stop trying to add stuff to the middle. Baptism tells us a gospel where we're free that we don't have to try to prove ourselves anymore. Like how many people are exhausted trying to prove, I really do belong. I really should be welcomed. I really should be loved. But the freeing good news of the gospel is we're all a bunch of jacked up people in here but we've got one thing in common and that is we know we need Jesus. And we've placed our faith in Him and Him alone. We've got to stop trying to prove ourselves and we've got to start learning to share ourselves because wherever you're at here is a confession of these things can lead us here. And in any room, loneliness can be turned into life because of Christ and Christ alone. The second thing we see in verse 27 is not only that we know we really belong because baptism reveals that we are a part of God's people through faith alone and Christ alone, but the next thing is because we have a shared clothing. I'll get to what this means, but notice verse 27. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. This language here of put on is clothing language. right? So what Paul is saying here is if you've been baptized, you've been fully clothed in in the person, the work, the identity, the righteousness, the faithfulness, the victory, the forgiveness, the healing, the deliverance of Jesus. A lot of times we think of clothing and we think of identity, right? Like, not all of us, evidently not me, right? We can dress a certain way, right? Because we want to put a certain identity forth in the world. This, this, would, have, this would have hit in this first century Jewish Gentile context, right? There were laws about clothes, too, right? Who... You got 50% polyester, 50% cotton in here. Just so you know, you're breaking the old covenant law. Right? I doubt any of us were checking our clothes this morning. So just think, these Gentiles are walking into these spaces, right? Do I really belong? Do I got the fabric percentages right? What Paul is saying here is you have been clothed in Christ. And that's enough. I remember when I was a teenager, I went on a mission trip to Chicago. And I I lived in a small town then too, smaller than this town even. And I remember they really were stressing to us. I bet some of y'all have been to this before. Like, don't wear certain colors because you don't want to be associated with a gang. Now... I'm all about safety. But do y'all really think I was about to get confused with the Crips and the Bloods? Like they were going to look at me and be like, Oh no, oh no, here he comes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's got a Chicago Cubs hat on. That guy looks like he's about to cause trouble. <laughs> anyway, I still don't understand that. <laughs> but the point was, is that what, what you wear, I guess, could make you unsafe. But... I think I have some deeper issues to to make it where I would be confused about being a part of the Crips, other than a club's hat. But imagine, imagine if somehow that worked at first. So imagine little me, and that's back when I had an accent. So it wasn't you know this. And uh, imagine me walking into. You know, downtown Chicago with my Chicago Cubs hat on, and they're like, Yeah man, he's one of us. <laughs> which I guess they thought might could happen. And then and then imagine me having to like live that out all the time. And trying to like learn the lingo, which I know would be super inappropriate to try to fake that right now. But imagine me trying to like always fit in and knowing that if at any point I get found out then I'm going to like be killed or worse maybe sometimes that's how we can feel even in the church is like this is working so far (laughs) I kind of learned how to talk how they want me to talk, or I grew up learning this, right? That's another thing. Like, I've just known this my whole life, but one day they might find out who I really am. And this little hat isn't going to work anymore. You know, in the story of God, there's, a, there's another image for this. It's called fig leaves. It's Adam and Eve in the garden, right? And they're naked and exposed before God in their rebellion. And they like get fig leaves like, we're good. And ever since then, that's what we've been doing. What Paul is saying here though, if, you, if you've been baptized, it's not just that you've been taken to the water in that nakedness, It's that you've risen and you've been clothed as a new creation. Like, it doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what you think. You have put on Christ. You're not a fake. You see, baptism isn't even most of all about what you do. Baptism is a profession of what God has done. Baptism is not just a a symbol of your faith. Baptism is a covenant sign of the faithfulness of God. That He is saying, You are mine. You don't have to pretend anymore. You are clothed with the righteousness of my Son Jesus, which now means you are my child. You're a new person. I think back to that that common story of, of, of Saint Augustine, if you want to sound fancy, or Augustine for everybody else, uh, where he where he you know he had a, a bad checkered past right with promiscuity, and he's he's changing his life and and he's out in public and one of his former, this is not the church history language, one of the former people he used to hook up with, uh Starts running after him and saying, Augustine, Augustine. And he just keeps walking. And she's like, Augustine, Augustine. And it's like being rude. And then she starts, Augustine, it's me. And in the old school language, she says, it is I. It is I. And he finally gets tired of it. And he turns around and he says to her, it is not I. What's the point? That's not who I am anymore. Everything in my past, everything in my life would say that's what defines me, but that is not who I am anymore. This is the good news of the gospel that we show in baptism, that that is not who I am. And the freedom of the gospel, the invitation to all of us, is we don't have to live like it is anymore. That's the great work of spiritual of the enemy. The great great piece of spiritual warfare is the enemy just wants you to live like this stuff is not true. Cuz it's true. But he wants all of us in here to live like it's really not true. I'm really not that known and I'm really not that loved. I'm really just still a a person who having to walk around and cover myself enough to hopefully get some measure of acceptance. But baptism not only tells us that we're known, it tells us we matter. So much so that we've been clothed with Christ. The last thing is, not only does baptism reveal our belonging in in the shared unity we have in Christ alone, in the shared clothing we have in Christ alone, but the last thing is, is we know we really belong because baptism reveals that our our belonging is so much bigger than our background. Notice verses 28 and 29. For there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Well, what is God doing here? What is, what is being said? Well, the first thing is, is it's not that their ethnicity is erased, right? They still have cultural backgrounds. It's not that their gender is erased. And it's not even these societal conditions that they live in class-wise, slave or free, are just erased. No, Paul is going to say this, and these things will still remain in their lives. What is, what's being said then? But these things are not where our ultimate identity are found. You see, in this culture, these things that he saying—he's saying—would have put you on a pecking order in the social status. And it'd be very easy for the church to do the similar or the same thing, and that is to size people up. Okay, what what's your background? What's your pedigree? Oh wow, you're you're. You come from the tribe of Benjamin? You're super important here. Oh, you're, you're female? Oh, well, you're, you know, your, your words wouldn't be admissible in court, so in here, you know, they're not as important. Oh, you're, you're a slave? Well, you know, you, you can sit in the back. we got to be careful not reading... American-shadowed slavery into, into these texts, but still, it wasn't a good deal, right? Even if there's just somebody in debt, a lot of money, and right, enslaved themselves to pay it off. That's kind of shameful, right? So go sit in the... Just... This is a massive countercultural statement in first century world. He's saying not only are we all sons of God, and again... Even the ladies in here, and why that's important is because you're a full heir, right? So you're a full heir. You're ever bit as a child of God as a first century male. Saying there's nobody who's more a child than anybody else. And this is not just a temporary thing. It's a forever thing. This is what verse 29 means. If you're Abraham's offspring, you are heirs according to the promise. As you receive the fullness of all that God has to give as much as anyone else. I remember one time, I actually, I heard a a pastor speak about this, and I'm going to come back to that in a second, but I actually heard it happen in real life. I was with a family that we were good friends with, and they had adoptive children. And I remember uh, somebody coming up to them, meaning well probably, and said something to this effect. And I know this, probably some of you in here have experienced something like this. Said something to this effect. Oh, which ones are your real children? Now go back to the, go back to the Galatians. Which one, who in here are the real people of God? Who are the real sons of God? Now back to the pastor who I knew that told this story when it happened to him and his children. He said, I just look them in the eye and I say, they all are. They all are. That's what God says over you today. You might get in that guilt, fear, and shame, and you think, who who are the... Who are the children in here of God who are His real children? Or maybe you go a different way with it. Who's the ones He's really proud of? And you look around and you're like, Oh, I wish I could be like that child of God. Because I bet God really likes cheering them on. But you know me, and maybe this comes from even some of your stories. Who knows? You know me, I probably just need to be thankful to be here. I just need to be thankful i got a roof over my head shoes on my feet I don't but I'll never be the one that gets to be really rejoiced over by the Father this is what Paul's saying it's time to stop eating the shame sandwiches and realize you are an equal child of God He doesn't have favorite children. He's rejoicing over you in love. You fully belong. Everybody in here who is in Christ, we go to be baptized to show us that message once again today. That's why this baptism is not just for those who will be being baptized. It's for all of us to remember this is our story. Just like ancient Israel, we were an enslaved people, helpless and hopeless. But God came, He sent His Deliverer to bring us naked and needy into those, through those waters and free and clean on the other side. And on the other side of those waters, He looked at Israel and He said, You are my Son whom I love. And he made a covenant with them to never forsake them. And this is what He's done for us in Jesus. is He has united us to the, to the unique, eternal Son of God, the true and greater Israel, the true and greater Adam. And when you go into those waters, we all remember, we look out, we'll look out there today and we'll say, "That's me. That's us." I was as good as dead. And Jesus took me. And He united me with Him. And He joined me in His resurrection. And then afterwards, He clothed me in His righteousness. And He made me a full child of God with a full seat at the table. And there's nobody that can change that. Some of you might be trying to do that next thing that's going to make you feel like you really belong. Like you're really one of the good children. And it's time to lay that down. You might think, oh man, if if I led a fight club, or if I was an MC leader, or if, if I sang, or if I did this, or if I, even in your everyday life, if I just read my Bible every day, man, why didn't I do it? I tried again. Or if I just shared the gospel more, if if, if I just... If I just sang louder, if I, if I didn't have to talk myself into showing up on Sunday mornings because I really don't want to at some level, maybe then God would really love me like He does to all those other awesome people. But the gospel is you belong. And the reality is it's only once you really accept that that your motivation probably going to change. Because who wants to show up and pretend? Who wants to show up and prove yourself? But when you're free, all of a sudden you're like, let's do this. Because you're free to love. You see, this is why we, we try to do what we do through missional communities. It's not a legalistic way to try to press somebody into a mold that we've created. It's how can we provide a picture of the kingdom that says everyone's welcome at the table? How can we show the world that we're Jesus' disciples by the love we have with one another where if anybody looked at this table, you would say, what in the world brings them together? And we're ready to give a gospel explanation. Yeah, this doesn't really make sense, does it? (laughs) But let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus. You see, our baptism tells us we're all. We're all the killer at the murder mystery story. But it tells us something better. And we don't have to hide. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to play some sick game to see, y'all oh, actually like trying to fake people out. Because of Jesus, we are exposed in baptism. We are forgiven in baptism, and we are free. We are free. But we must embrace the reality of our belonging if we are to live in the freedom that our baptism reveals. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the good news today of Jesus. And as we come now to the table, help us, Lord, to confess and to encourage one another in this good news God, I ask that if there be any area in any of our lives that is causing us to hear the lie of the enemy, that we are not really accepted through the finished work of Christ, that you would bring victory in that area today. And as we take the bread and the cup, might we celebrate who you say we are. In Jesus' name, amen.